Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. I wanted to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So make sure you sign up for my free newsletter at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to give you two steps for successful decision-making. I'll also be interviewing award-winning business journalist and editor-at-large for Inc. Magazine, Maria Aspen, who reviews her book, Startup Money Made Easy. This book is a step-by-step instruction you need to help you start and finance your business. It's more doable than you think. For more information about Maria, please visit StartupMoneyMadeEasy.com. You may also purchase her book on Amazon or in the previous guest sections in both stores at JamesMillerLifeology.com or at Lifeology.tv. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Steps for successful decision-making. Many of us have goals and dreams that we'd like to accomplish, but we often get overwhelmed and don't really know where to start. One of the most important things is to gather information. Sometimes when we want to do something, we think, oh, I could never do that because of this. Or if I did this, then that means I have to do that. The problem with that type of thinking is we don't know what we don't know. Anytime you're going to make a decision, the first step is always information gathering. There's no decision that needs to be made. It's just simply gathering the information and data for you to then find the perspective to determine should you make this decision or not. When you think about your future, if you limit yourself based off of what you currently know, unfortunately, you're not allowing yourself to grow and develop because you're making the decision based off of your skill set right now or your understanding of who and what you can do right now. When it comes to gathering information, a way to do that outside of the internet is to ask people that you know. Who is the most successful person that you know and why are they successful to you? Instead of just looking at perhaps financial success or entrepreneurial success, look at different characteristics that they demonstrate. Are they tenacious? Are they hard workers? Do they have a healthy mindset? How is your time management skills? Those types of characteristics are incredibly important. It's not necessarily how do they build their business or how do they accomplish this venture that they have. You want to look at the characteristics of their personality as well because you may already have those same characteristics or perhaps those are characteristics that you already have or characteristics that you can grow and develop. Anytime you want to make a decision, if you find that there is anxiety or some type of fear-based thoughts that go along with it, more than likely you've thought too far out in the future. 
because when you think too far out in the future, you've then already moved into the second step, which is decision-making. So what you do is when you think out in the future, as soon as you start to feel overwhelmed, you've thought too far out in the future. So let's bring it back to when you don't feel that anxiety, which once again is linked to decision-making. So let's think out maybe a week or maybe a month or maybe six months. And if you don't feel anxious at that time, then that gives you a great opportunity to be able to come up with a proactive plan to be able to accomplish your goal. Once you've developed as much information as possible, then it's important to move to the next step, which is decision-making. Should you even do this or not? I've worked with many people who want to change their job or want to change their career, and they tell me why they can't do something. And I ask them, well, do you have enough information? Did you research this? And often the response is no, or they haven't done enough research. So I really want you to see how that's applicable for you as well. When you automatically jump to the second part, which is decision-making, before enough information has been gathered, you are setting yourself up to stay in your current position. And sometimes when we want to make a change, it's because there's mediocrity in our life. And of course, there's no judgment there. It just simply is. When we get stagnant in our life and want to make a change, unfortunately, what we don't know often tells us we can't make this change. So the exciting thing today is simply if you want to make a change in your life in whatever way it may be, it starts with information gathering. Gather as much information as possible. Talk to the people that you know in your support group who are successful in their personality traits, perhaps in their business ventures or whatever it may be. And that will then allow you to then say, am I going to do something different or am I not? I have a really great guest today, Maria Aspen. Her book, Startup Money Made Easy, is definitely something you should purchase as well. This is an important piece of literature that you need for your information gathering. This gives you the, exactly what you need if you have a startup or you're an entrepreneur who wants to get started. So definitely stay tuned for this interview because I really think it's going to help you realize how doable it is to accomplish all your goals. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Maria Aspen is an award-winning business journalist and an editor-at-large at at Inc. Magazine, where she oversees money coverage and writes about startups, technology, finance, and gender. She has also covered business and finance for the New York Times, Thomas Reuters, and American Banker. At the latter, she served as national editor and covered the 2008 financial crisis and its aftermath. She's here today to discuss her book, Startup Money Made Easy, which is chock full of expertise and step-by-step instructions to help you secure the money you need to pursue your dreams. Welcome to my show, Maria. Thank you so much, James. It's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this interview in the virtual green room, like I like to call it. We talked a little bit about all the different types of people that I've had on my show before, and I've never had one who specifically talks about finance. So this is going to be wonderful for all of my listeners who really are the entrepreneurs and want to start their business, but they just don't know how to do it. So thank you for being a guest on my show today. Anytime. And if I can be the inaugural financial guest, you know, one of the things I try to do both in my work and my book is like make finance not boring. So Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, I think there's also a fear with finances too, because a lot of people who may struggle with their finances for whatever reason, that element of I have to pay my bills or this this is the due dates of when payments are due. And I think there's often a fear and a, and a boringness around it. It can be very polarized in a lot of ways. 
Absolutely. It's intimidating and it's scary. And like, it's not, it's usually not, it can be not fun. So Mm -hmm. like there, those are all reasons to not deal with your finances. Exactly. So we're going to make it very interesting today. (laughs) Did you always know that you had an interest for finances? I always knew that I had an interest in, um, in business journalism. Uh, I kind of fell into financial journalism, but I, um, I studied international politics, so very financial, (laughs) (laughs) not at all, but, um, but I loved to write and I got a couple of newspaper internships and realized that I really loved, um, talking to people and telling their stories for a living. And then I took a job as a financial reporter without knowing really anything mm. about finances oh, <laughs> in March 2008. I think I think I started that job a few days before Bear Stearns failed. Oh, so. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> like, got thrown right into it. <laughs> I did. I was trying to cover the, the financial crisis and the collapse of the economy and like learning oh on gosh, the job, which wow. is a great you know, a great way to learn, but also sure. really scary and intimidating. Yes, yes it would be. <laughs> and then from there, obviously, you've, you've, you're the expert in it now. So that is, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it's been, it's been a really exciting few years. Um, I guess 10 years now. I, I covered wow. finance and banking for, for several years uh, during and after the crisis. And then about five years ago, Inc. recruited me to oversee their money coverage and also write features for them. So in my, in my day to day these days, I, I tried, I edit and report and assign stories on all the different money questions oh, wow. that might come oh, wow. up for entrepreneurs. Oh, that's great. Wow. That's, that's really, really impressive. When you sat down and thought, you know, I'm going to write this book. What was this, what was the, the I guess the, the need or the reason? You know, there were several. So it came out of an article that I created, a a big feature package, actually, that I created and assigned for Inc. a couple of years ago. It Mm -hmm. was called The Smartest Money Advice I Ever Got. And I asked some of my reporters to talk to um, various entrepreneurs. We reached out to all the different successful founders that we had profiled and had relationships with over the years. Yeah. And we just asked them, you know, very simple question. What's the best money advice you ever got and who gave it to you? And we got a range of responses from, from Mark Cuban saying, just don't use credit cards. My dad told me that to, um, to Bobby Brown saying, you know, when I, when I moved to New York as a young woman, my dad said, you're moving to New York, make sure you spend some of your money on good restaurants and you actually enjoy, you oh, know, really? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the things that came out of that was the recognition that there's no one right piece mm-hmm. of advice. Like, mm-hmm. obviously there are some things that are, that you shouldn't do, or sure. there are some things that are common mistakes, but you know, what you do with your money and how you handle your money can be very personal and, and can very much depend on the situation that you're in. So we kind of talked to all of these different entrepreneurs and and certainly over the five years that I've been at Inc. Mm -hmm. have have talked to so many successful company founders and and some who have many who have fallen on their face at least a couple of times before before achieving success. You know, about everything from what you commonly read about, like financing and fundraising and taking VC and the IPO process to, to the more like daily, just starting out questions Mm -hmm. like how much money do I need to start a business? And just got a whole bunch of different responses. So we put that all together and, and my effort with this book is for it really to be a, an accessible, smart, but 
somewhat beginner entry level mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A to Z guide to like, all right, you want to start a business. Here's everything you need to know from yeah. the very beginning through expanding, becoming profitable, hiring employees to maybe if you're if you're lucky and and stick with it, the end, like selling it or mm, thinking about yes. Retirement yeah. and and all of like the fun things that can happen if your business does make you money. Well, you know, I think that's that's obviously a really wonderful entry point because that's the majority of the people who listen to my show. Um, I know a lot of them are entrepreneurs and want to do something different in their life. So this is this is a, a wonderful entry point for us. Like I said, as far as to be able to talk about some of those things when we when we look at an entrepreneur themselves, they have this idea and. Often, you know, with the concept of money or finances or capital can be really overwhelming. Is there any specific advice that you would give that someone that just as they're starting out and they're formulated the business plan and then now the concept of having to raise capital or get some type of funding, what would you say to them? I would say um, the first the first chapter of the book gives you uh, five questions that you should ask yourself about how much money you need to get off the ground. Mm -hmm. And I would say, think about how much money do you need? What kind of business is it? Are you going to need employees right away? Are you going to need office space right away? And are you living in an expensive city or someplace where you can get space for relatively cheap? Um, and so it's really looking at your overhead overall. Uh, looking at your overhead and also, and, and this is something that I think doesn't get discussed so much, but how much money do you need to take out of the business right away? Like, do you need to make a salary off the business? And if so, um, can you work on it part time mm -hmm. as a side hustle until mm, sure, it's reached yeah. a point that it can sustain you? I mean, I was, I was at a pan, I was moderating a panel discussion this morning at PayPal with a couple of women who have started businesses. One of them has an online jewelry line. Oh. Uh, it's called the Brave Collection, oh, um, and she she started it with she said less than ten thousand dollars, and she worked on it for two years mm -hmm. as a side hustle before she was able to quit her full time job oh, and wow. and start taking money out of the business. I say in the book, you know, we at Inc, we regularly poll our Inc 5000 CEOs. These are the CEOs of the fastest growing private companies mm -hmm. in America every year. And only 28% of them started taking a salary immediately out of their business. Oh, really? Yes. So that's really, uh, that's, and sorry to interrupt you for one second, but I think that's a really, it's an important takeaway and valuable lesson, I think, for a lot of my listeners, because if people are thinking, this is my business. I'm going to make all this money, which hopefully that's the case. But I think if people put, put I guess, a cart in front of the horse, the concept of the slow rollout, the more effective rollout allows for a more long lasting business as opposed to t taking your, your, taking a salary <laughs> out. You're like, well, I have nothing left to show for it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And um, and it's kind of a harsh truth, but half of businesses fail within mm -hmm. five years. Yeah. So if you're putting all of your eggs into that basket or if you're depending on this business for to sustain your life and, you know, support your family and uh, pay your rent and pay all your bills, you should probably wait until it gets off the ground mm. and is actually making a profit before you devote yourself to it yeah. full time. Yeah, that's a really good point. Regardless of what the industry is, I mean, there's there's that the sustainability component of it. Like I live down here in Palm Beach, Florida, and I've, I'm originally from the north. And so when I came down here, 
people are talking about seasons. And I'm like, oh, you know, the four mm. seasons, but in Florida, there's no seasons. There's just one season. <laughs> but the point is, is they were, there's only a certain time of year when it's really profitable for, for a lot of the businesses. And then when, because that's what they call season. And then when people leave, then there's hardly anybody here. And so the concept of, for some people that had started down here in their business, they didn't factor that in. So I guess going back to what you said before is, what, where do you live? What, what's, what's the market? But I do think that there are so many dry seasons and sometimes drier seasons sooner than we think, which then can really cut into the profit or cut into just even the, the growth of one's business. Absolutely. If you if you have certainly a restaurant in in a market like yours in Florida that has seasonal populations, or if you have a retail business, you know, retail businesses tend to be the busiest season tends to be towards the end of the year during the holiday Mm -hmm. season. You know, you really need to think not only about when you'll be making money, but just your cash flow when you'll be bringing money in, but also when you'll have to pay vendor bills when when you'll have to be producing your uh, your supply and your inventory in order to be selling it and where you're going to store it mm, if you're yeah, wow. if you're making all of your widgets in January but your busy season is October are you going to pay rent on a storage mm, facility for several months yeah just thinking about cash flow yeah there's so many yeah as you say this i'm like gosh there's so many factors so i definitely want my listeners to purchase your book because there's so many things i actually am learning here myself (laughs) well thank you what would be some of the ways that people can just find investors because i've seen things on on the internet about people who will lend money for franchises and different things like that but how how can someone find an investor well, it depends on what you mean by investor, because okay. and this is another this is another, I think, important point, because you hear and you read so many stories about Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and venture capitalists and, you know, Sand Hill Road and Mark Andreessen. And I think it's really important to point out that there are just a very small fraction of businesses that actually get venture capital money. Mm. Um, we again, of the Inc. 5000 CEOs. Uh, last year, only 3% said they took venture capital. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, and and I have to say, um, it's also really important if you are a woman, and especially if you're a woman of color, to realize that it's just really hard to get venture capital. Mm. Um, the latest numbers say that women got 2.2% of all serious? venture capital. It's, it's oh insane. Oh, my gosh. That's ridiculous. If, I'm so sorry. For... For African-American women, it's, I think, 0.02% are the latest. It's it's an insanely tiny percentage. Wow. So venture capital should never be your first step. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I mean, and it, it, there are times and there are founders for whom it absolutely makes sense, but mm-hmm. it rarely, it is rarely the first call. Um, of, the, of the entrepreneurs that we talk to, 43% of them start their business with their savings. Oh, and okay. so that's, that's a good first way to, to fund your business. Um, they also get loans from friends and family. Uh, they use credit cards, which again, there are, there are upsides and downsides. Sure, if you're course. going to use credit cards, you absolutely need to read the terms closely. Yes. Same with online loans, but those can be, those can be good, easy ways to immediately get capital. Um, bank loans are another way that, that a lot of our entrepreneurs initially raise money to get started. Um, but this also leads to another thing that I think is really important to point out in that you might have this impression that starting a business requires raising a whole bunch of money and it really doesn't. Mm. Um, about in 2008, there was a study that found that the average small business needed about $31,000 to get off the ground. Okay. 
last year, the 2018 Inc. 5000 CEOs told us that 42% of them used less than $5,000 oh to start their first business. That's really encouraging. So, it's really accessible. And, and part of this is due to technology. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, you can set up a web page and a PayPal account and a Shopify account and maybe an Instagram account, and those are all cheap or free things to do. And you can start selling things immediately versus yeah. maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago when you needed to, you know, rent a space a and hire and a cashier. So, uh-huh. And yeah, so it, it is really easy and accessible to get your business off the ground these days. Well, how would someone have a, a really good, I guess, snapshot of that as far as, you know, they, they create their business plan? Because once again, I think if people do think too far ahead in the future and think, well, I need, I, I'm already thinking about expansion, but I haven't even started. How, how can they really say, I, this is really all I need? Right. That's a good question. Um, I would say market research. Okay, you know, think, uh, do do as much research as possible on the sort of business you want to start. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can talk to other people who are in that industry, if you're not already. And, and that's another thing that I think the maybe the common perception of the entrepreneur is is a Mark Zuckerberg or somebody mm-hmm. who's, you know, right out of college or in college starting starting a tech startup in their garage or spare bedroom. A lot of people start their businesses in, in after after several years or decades of working in a field and seeing a need and they decide to start a business in the field where they've been working, where they have contacts, where they have experience, where they know how to sell the product or service that they've decided to create and to go into business for. So if you are in fact starting a business in the industry that you're familiar with, Mm -hmm. it's going to be easier to sort of get a sense of like, okay, how much capital do I need to, to start creating and selling something off the bat? Okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And of course, the people that are doing something for the first time, that's, there's a huge learning curve for that, but it sounds like it's still feasible or accessible with, with the majority of people having less than 5000 or around $5,000 to start. It is. Yeah. And, and the internet is a wonderful thing. You know, just do as much research as possible before putting any money into whatever your business idea is. Yeah. You were saying earlier that most businesses fail within the first five years. What's, what are the reasons for that? So um, up to it's about 50 percent fail within the first five years and almost 70 within the first 10. And uh, there have been various there have been various surveys done. But um, one of the top reasons cited is usually just money or cash flow problems Mm. of some sort. Um, I hate to say it, but the research shows that money problems never really go away. Mm. The according to. A Federal Reserve survey in 2017 found that I think more than 60% of small businesses had had some sort of money problem within the past 12 months. So um, unfortunately, I I wish I had better news. No, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it makes me think though that it's, I I think it's also when you can really follow the trends for whatever your business is, whatever your, your expertise is, is, you know, thinking of, let me back up. Um, what was it? Blockbuster. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. Um, for those of you who don't know, Blockbusters, Blockbuster was a, a DVD or what would you call it? <laughs> I don't even know. It's been so long. A VCR. A v- VCR. VHS. <laughs> where you re- yeah. Where, I know. <laughs> where you would rent movies and then before streaming and Netflix went to them and Netflix was like, we have this great way to stream uh, movies. And um, Blockbuster said, no, we don't want it. So 
unfortunately in that time they weren't with the trend and unfortunately put them out of business but i think when anybody in any business that they're in to really study you the market as far as how can you be anticipatory as opposed to being behind the trend and not being able to catch up because in doing that of course your services and your and your products are not going to be as viable as other people so i think not only is it the financial part but i think it's also reading the pulse or feeling the pulse of your business itself to determine how viable you are Absolutely. And I think being nimble and being willing to pivot and recognizing as you're getting your business off the ground, if you had an initial idea for a product, being willing to change that mm, product sure, after yeah. talking to to people and maybe testing it out. Um, you know, one of one of the interviews and stories that I've worked on that I that I really enjoyed in the past couple of years was um, a profile of the company Mailchimp, which is oh Mailchimp, email. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You, you probably I've heard <laughs> of it. Yeah. Advertise on your show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but they're so they're an email marketing company, and I spoke with Ben Chestnut, who is the co-founder and CEO. They've been around for almost 19 years now. Wow, and they, I had no idea. Yeah, and Ben and his co-founder Dan, they they started as web developers and um, created this. E- like online greeting card function. Um, but that was not the core function of MailChimp when they got it off the ground. They were they were working on various web development, web design services. Um, hmm. But they had this greeting card function that they had kind of built and then realized there wasn't really a market need for it at the moment and they put it aside. And a few years later, they realized that they could turn that into an email marketing tool for wow. small businesses. Oh, interesting which is now the core of the company mm-hmm. and the their core product but um you know mailchimp these days is is quite successful Very it successful, made yeah. 600 million dollars in revenue last year and ben and dan they own the entire company they bootstrapped it they they never oh, took outside amazing. investment so good for them but they got there only after several years of not knowing exactly what the product was or what the success path was going to be and, and having some very lean years in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the early days. So um, sure. their, their ability to be nimble and to pivot really impressed me. Yeah, I did. Well, obviously, they made that much money. That is fantastic. <laughs> Maria, unfortunately, our time is up. I can't believe it. We could talk more about this. Uh, but if my listeners would like to find out more, more information about you and to purchase your book, Startup Money Made Easy, where would they find this information online? Well, thank you. Um, so you can find out more about me on my website, mariaaspan.com. And you can purchase the book or find out more about it on startupmoneymadeeasy.com. Um, it's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and IndieBound and Audible. But if you go to startupmoneymadeeasy.com, there will be just a, a list of different retailers that'll that'll take you to where you can buy it. Excellent. So I'll put that information in the show notes. But my listeners also know that they can can't find the book anyplace else, simply go to both stores at jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and in the previous guest sections in both stores, they can purchase it there. Maria, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. I really do appreciate all your expertise. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. 
Reflexology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.